Hello, good morning. Uh, again, my name is uh, Clayton. I'm one of the pastors here at Kingswood. And again, uh, welcome on this wonderful, bit rainy Sunday uh, morning. Um, so as you saw, the kids come up and sing this song. I'm reminded my, my son, who waved to me as I was moving the shield to the side, um, is in, now in kindergarten. And he, uh, we've started this routine. He goes in the morning. He goes, goes to care and then goes to kindergarten the second half of the day, and then ride, he gets to ride the bus home, which is always an experience for him. The first three weeks, he was never awake. He was always asleep on the bus, but we've, we've kind of figured that part of, out, and we're, we're awake now when we get off the bus. But we will uh, make dinner as a family together, and then we sit around the table, and maybe you with children or grandchildren do the same thing about how was your day. Um, and, and usually Caitlin and I, or I start, and then Clark talks about his day. Inevitably, at the end of his day, you know, he played with so-and-so, or did this, or did that, or did math, or today he asked me what 5 plus 5 was and was surprised that I knew it was 10. And um, he'll always do this thing now where he says, who likes Clark? And of course, Caitlin and I's hands, like, shoot up in the air, and then he goes, who likes Dad? And then we shoot our hands up, and who likes Mom? And shoot our hands up. And while this is, a, I think, a you know, funny, silly story, it shows our deep need for connection. Whether we're five or no matter what age that we are, we desire this deep need to be connected. We all have a desire to be seen, to be heard from one another. And this is just one of the many reasons why this time of this pandemic has been a bit difficult. Now, we're in this kind of state, you know, we were no mask, and then we had mask again, and now we have booster shots, and it seems to be shifting and changing constantly. But yet, even before the pandemic, there was a sense of isolation or loneliness, but the pandemic has ex- accelerated some of that. There's new research that shows loneliness can be one of the biggest, maybe one of the biggest health crises to face America since rise of obesity and substance abuse. The point is, Each of us in this room, each of us watching online right now, um, each of us have a desire to be connected, desire to be connected in some way. And it is being connected through others that we remember, um, that we are, that the deep need that we have for, to be connected with each and every person. Now, this might look different. Some of us um, are connected maybe online, and we, we have technology now that we can be connected to one another. But the point still stands. There's a deep desire to be known by one another. And today, we heard a scripture that speaks to this deep need for connection. We heard the story read of, of Hannah, Hannah is someone who's looking for someone to be present with her amidst her difficulty and challenge. Through her prayers and the presence of Eli, she is able to have a deep sense of peace. So let's look again at this scripture and and see what it has to teach us in this moment. So if you have your Bibles, for those with us in person, you can uh, get one of the Red Pew Bibles for those online. Uh, you can get your Bible out. It is uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, starting in verse 4. It says this, When on the day Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to his wife Peninnah and all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion, because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival used to provoke her, 
severely to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year as often as she went up to the house of the Lord she used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. But her husband Elkanah said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more than ten sons? And so I think it's important to note here, it talks about them going to um, do this sacrifice. And three times a year, families would travel to the temple to make the sacrifice. So this was a routine thing that they would often do three times a year. And this is where we pick up the story today. And the second thing to note is Peninnah is called Hannah's rival. It's on these trips three times a year that she would often provoke, or it talks about how she would irritate her because she was unable to bear children. And it's important to highlight the context within which this scripture is written. The Israelite people up to this point had judges that ruled over them. This book, 1 Samuel, and 2 Samuel originally were written as one book. They weren't necessarily separated. And it tells the story of Israel not having kings and then them having their first king, King Saul, and eventually King David, and on and on. And on again, it was not. It was originally written as one fluid story. Not only that, but it was written after these events took place. So when the people first heard this story, they already knew the ending. They already knew that eventually Saul is going to become king. So with all that in mind, Peninnah is called a rival. Um, and, and most often, rival isn't used in Scripture to say one person is pitted against someone else. But oftentimes, it's talked about as neighboring countries. And when the Israelite people are calling for a king, what they often say is they want to be like the other nations. They want to have a king to rule over them. And so the author is very intentional here to make um, this connection about neighboring countries and about this rival between Peninnah and Hannah, kind of Peninnah is this, these other countries wanting this thing and at times can irritate the nation of Israel, and Hannah's kind of seen as this nation of Israel. Um, and she, again, it continues to meet this resistance from her rival. And um, so then we pick it back up in verse 9. It says, after they'd eaten and drunk at Shiloh, Hannah rose and presented herself before the Lord. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple. She was deeply distressed and prayed to God and wept bitterly. She made a vow, O Lord of hosts, if only you will look on the misery of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a male child, then I will set him before you as a Nazarite until the day of his death. He shall drink he shall drink neither wine nor intoxicants, and no razor shall touch his head. So uh, through this difficulty, Hannah makes this vow that if she would get a son, that he would be a Nazarite. Now, I'm not going to assume that we all know what a Nazarite is. So quickly, uh, a Nazarite talks about abstaining from any grapes in any form. So that's where she says that he would not have wine or any other intoxicants, um, that he would be refrained from doing that. Um, also, she says that his, his head would not be shaven. And the third thing, most commonly, um, a part of a Nazarite vow is of avoiding dead bodies because that would make one unclean. Uh, you might remember earlier in Scripture, in the book of Judges, we hear this character of Samson. He also had this same uh, Nazarite vow. So this, again, this vow shows Hannah's determination, 
her courage to continue to trust in God. And it's also important to note, Hannah asked God to remember her. When God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, God said that he remembered the Israelites. Again, this is a callback to that moment where Hannah remembers that God delivered the Israelites from Egypt that, and that God will deliver her as well. And then in verse 12 it says, As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying silently, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you make a drunken spectacle of yourself? Put away your wine. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman deeply troubled. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for I have been speaking out of great anxiety and vexation all this time. Then Eli answered, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant the petition you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your sight. Then the woman went to her quarters, ate and drank with her husband, and her countenance was no longer sad. So prayer here is a bit different than what we maybe often think about that. We often hear prayers aloud, maybe around the dinner table, especially as we come up to Thanksgiving. I'm sure we'll pray out loud uh, on Sunday morning. We maybe say, have a prayer time and pray out loud. But oftentimes, we don't necessarily pray out loud in our homes, or we don't often pray out loud here. So in, in this situation, is different. Uh, for Hannah, when they would go to the temple, you would hear people in all, all corners of the room praying out loud. And so when Eli sees that whatever she's doing, she, we now know she was praying, um, but that her lips are moving, but nothing's coming out, that would have struck him as odd. And, and, and he, that's why he thought that she may have been drunk. And it's also not that odd because these three times a year that they would come are often festivals, and often at festivals we have parties, and often at parties we might have some wine or some drinks, and so it wasn't uncommon that uh, people would come into the temple with maybe a little bit too much to drink. Um, and so he, he inquires about that, but he soon realizes that she hasn't been drinking, that she's indeed praying. And, and, and I think it's important here to notice Eli has no idea what the problem is, what the issue is, what her challenge is, what her difficulty is. He doesn't ask her what that is. But all he says is, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant you your petition you have made. And it says in that moment she goes back and she was no longer sad and she experiences peace. Hannah has been feeling alone and isolated. She did not know where to turn or what to do. However, Eli comes to her and recognizes her. Notice that he did not know, again, what she was dealing with or even the vow that she had made. But what he did was listen to her and was present with her. And then in verse 19 and 20, we find out that she ends up giving birth to Samuel, who ends up um, going to live with Eli and eventually appoints Saul as king later in this book. But I think what's important here is it's through this vow and through prayer that she's able to have a grateful heart. Not because everything was solved in that moment, because that moment that Eli and her had that conversation and that she's no longer sad, she didn't know what the outcome would be. But she trusted in God. And more importantly, she knew she was no longer alone. 
And I think there's times when we are like Hannah. We're in the midst of some deep difficulty or some deep challenge. And maybe we are uh, even those at time, we have those in our lives who are acting like a rival. Said another way, there are people who are not being helpful or are leading you and I towards loneliness and isolation. And maybe it feels like it is not going to end. However, what this passage has to say to us today is that indeed we have people like Eli that are with each and every one of us. We have people like Clark who might say, who likes us, and they're going to shoot their hands up right away. This is not to sidestep loneliness and isolation that I think we have all felt before, but it is to say that we have people in our corner that care deeply for us. It is through these people that we can reflect back part of the way that God cares for us. And this is only in part because God's love is so expansive that it can't just be shown through one person. So maybe for us today, all we need to hear is simply that God loves you, God sees you, and that you are not alone. For others, maybe you need to hear that you do have people in your corner. Here at Kingswood, we're about building a community. We say, we love God, we serve others, and we build a sacred community. Great. Um, and we say it all the time. But what does that look like? It looks like cheering each other on. It looks like sitting and listening. It looks like letting each other know that you and I, we together, are not alone. It's out of knowing that we are not alone that you can have, we can have, a grateful heart and in turn be like Eli for others. You can give God's peace and be present and let someone else know that they are not alone and that God is with you and I, with us, every step of the way. And I think this is why days like in-gathering Sunday are so important. Again, in-gathering Sunday, in-gathering is a bit of an odd word that we don't really use any other time of the year besides today, but it means to gather in. And today, many of us have gathered food for the food pantry. And this is vital work that we do as a Kingswood community. Every Thursday, we're able to serve those in need. And this only happens because of days like today. But we often talk about donating to the food pantry and provide food. But I think in light of the scripture today, we know that it's more than just providing food. When we give food to the food pantry, uh, we're being Eli's in other people's life. We're able to hand out a bag and a box of food, and maybe if we have some milk or any other items that we might have, but we're also able to hand out God's peace and God's joy and God's love through that. This week, I was also reminded of the ways that we stay connected, that we can let each and every one of us know you are not alone. We have many groups, and especially through our life group ministry, we're able to tell people that, you're, that they're not alone. And when someone isn't at some group or some event, we call them and say, how are you doing? And through that, we know that we are not alone, that God is with us, and that we have people in our corner who care deeply for us. Through all of this, we can know and have a grateful heart and Everyone in our community can know that we, that you and I, are not alone.